episode 37 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on May 15th, 2017. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. This week, big changes are coming to cartel packs. Will the quality of items improve? And what's the impact to unlock costs? I'll have all the details for you today. Also this week, could we finally get weapons added to the outfit designer? I'll tell you what Charles Boyd had to say about it. Keith Kanig is still working on his producer's roadmap. I'll give you the updated timeline and some details on features coming in Game Update 5.2.2. Finally this week, I sided with the Empire on Iocath, but got Alara Dorn as a companion. I'll explain how. And with that, it's time to make the jump to Lightspeed and check out the State of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to Episode 37 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted. And as you heard in the opening, I have another terrific show lined up for you today. First, let's review some announcements for the Old Republic. Well, all of the May the 4th events are over, including the double XP event and the half-price collection unlocks. You should have your May the 4th droid pet as well. I think there was a delay in getting that out to everyone, but you should have it now. Also, a quick uh, PSA for Windows 10 users. I upgraded to the creator's update and am having some issues with SWOTOR crashing. The launcher works fine, but when the game comes up and I'm at the loading screen, the game will sometimes crash. Now, I don't have a solution. Uh, there are some threads on the forums where others are having the same problem. What does work for me is when I launch SWOTOR is that I do nothing until I'm on the loading screen and then I log on with a character. Any alt tabbing or app switching seems to trigger the crash. So if you are having this issue when you launch SWOTOR, you might want to try taking your hands off the keyboard until you're ready to log on. So that's all the announcements I have. Let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. So first up, starting on May 16th, big changes are coming to cartel packs once again. Here is what Eric Musco posted on the forums. Starting with the Steadfast Champion pack on May 16th, you will now receive the following. One new pack item, one grand chance cube, two miscellaneous, Java scraps, and companion gifts. Additionally, packs will now only contain silver, gold, and platinum rarity items. What this change means is that you will more consistently get new pack items, since one is guaranteed in each pack, and you will have a much greater chance of getting silver, gold, and platinum items than you did previously. Our plan moving forward is that we are not going to be making bronze quality armor sets, decorations, etc. any longer. Our focus is to ensure the new items in each pack are of the highest quality, giving you greater value for your investment. Let us know what you think. Thanks, everyone. Now, many people read this and had the same thought I did, which is, silver is the new bronze. The reality is, when it comes to quality and what looks nice or is cool, it's all in the eyes of the beholder. And rarity was more often about cost and availability rather than desirability. And Eric did address this when he wrote, We view the rarity of an item to be a reflection of the art time and quality of each item. 
This can be subjective to the player, though, based on what they like. So although you will receive more silver uh, than items than before, instead of bronze, those items should be of a higher quality. Now, as I said, whether or not something looks good or is cool is completely subjective. For example, I like the Hoth Rangers outfit. It's a bronze quality item, and I know a few people who don't like it, but I think it's a great cold weather outfit. To me, the, re- the, the, the problem here moving forward is the cost of unlocking items in the collections. And bronze items are cheap to unlock at 60 cartel coins. With the removal of these items moving forward, it's going to mean uh, a lot more expense. It's going to be a lot more expensive to unlock items. And Eric did respond to this concern as well when he said, The team is aware of the concern regarding collection unlock prices and will be talking about options. No changes are currently planned, but we are looking at what we can do in the future. I will pass on any updates I receive from the team. Now, I don't deal much with packs and hyper crates, and obviously anything that improves the chances of getting what you want out of packs is a good thing. I mean, I have bought hyper crates in the past, hoping to maybe get a single item and just coming up empty. So if this, you know, is going to eliminate that to some degree, I think that's a good thing. But I just don't know if this is going to accomplish that. I do like unlocking items in my character collection, and I do take advantage of the half-price sales like the one we just had. And I didn't have much to unlock this time around, but it is something where I'll actually consider purchasing coins uh, for that purpose. So seeing the unlock prices ultimately go up due to the lack of bronze items doesn't get me excited. So I'll be curious to see if they adjust them in any way, and I certainly hope that they do. Well, enough about cartel packs. I want to talk about something potential, some potentially exciting news for the outfit designer. Now, when the outfit designer was announced for game update 3.2, the SWOTOR community broke out the fireworks and celebrated like Ewoks after the Battle of Endor. When it was learned that the outfit designer did not apply to weapons, that exuberance fizzled out like the engines on the Millennium Falcon attempting to jump to light speed. Well, guys, it's time to celebrate once again because according to Charles Boyd, the Swartor development team is looking to play the role of R2-D2 and launch the outfit designer into hyperspace later this year. And here is what he said about weapons in the outfit designer. We've been discussing this one a lot recently, and we're working on how we could fit it into the schedule for this year. Once that gets firmed up, we'll let you all know. I love matching weapons with outfits, but don't often do it because of the hassle involved in pulling out the mods and enhancements. I also like to transfer weapons between different characters, so I use legacy weapons most of the time. Ironically, this change encourages the use of legacy weapons in the same way that it's beneficial to use legacy armor. This is a monumental change. If you've been eyeing specific weapons, get them now before those hut-loving GTN barons gouge the prices. Same thing with crystals. Think about it. You can have whatever stats you need in your equipped weapon with whatever color you want for your outfit. Most players have legacy crystals with every stat. And even if you don't, there are cheap options out there. The idea of buying a, a color crystal based on its stats is about to come to a spectacular end like Boba Fett rocketing into the mouth of the Sarlacc. It's not all good news, though, because it won't be long before you regale your friends with tales of that time you stepped into a war zone, 
drew your blasters, and Pew Pew turned into Ew Ew because you didn't have an actual weapon equipped. You know that's going to happen, right? Now, there is no ETA on when we might see this, but Charles did explain why it's moving up the priority chain. And here's what he said. We've been very focused on features that supported story chapters in gameplay, so this didn't make it to the top of the list. But this year, we've shifted some of our focus to broader features that improve the overall gameplay experience and add better customization and convenience options. So with that in mind, it makes sense to see if we can add weapons to the outfit designer this year. I like the quality of life changes, and I hope this is a prelude to maybe giving us hoods that you can toggle up and down, and maybe the ability to see hair underneath hoods and hats. I would love both of those, especially the hair under the hoods. I mean, I because there's some very nice outfits that have hoods, but then you go and you put them on your companion, and whatever hairstyle you chose just disappears entirely, and it looks awful. So... So there you go. Quality of life changes are a focus right now. And believe it or not, there are some more on the way for game update 5.2.2. So SWOTOR's game producer, Keith Koenig, updated the community on the status of his highly anticipated roadmap. With any luck, he hopes to publish it by the end of this month, if not sooner. Here's what Keith wrote. Hey, everyone. Wanted to provide an update on my first producer roadmap, but getting it published is taking longer than I anticipated. Partly my own fault as my dad came to visit, and I took a few days off over the past couple of weeks to spend time with him. This ultimately slowed my progress, but I am back in full swing now and pushing to get the roadmap completed. I honestly thought I would have the roadmap done and communicated already, but I realistically need more time to finalize it. Translated? That means end of this month, but with full intention of delivering it sooner. This is not something I wanted to tell you, but I promised to keep you up to date on what's happening. While you continue to wait, here's a few highlights of Game Update 5.2.2, scheduled for mid-June, yes, 2017. The Narshada Nightlife event returns with old and some awesome new rewards, New character perks to increase your speeder piloting to speed 120% and 130%. Companions will gain influence through standard crew skill missions. Full tier 1 gear available from existing fleet vendors using command tokens. This means you can obtain a full uh, bonus gear set for under 800 command tokens. You will be able to choose the type of gear you want to purchase DPS, tank, or healer. We made a variety of changes to Galactic Starfighter, primarily aimed at reducing the cost, increasing requisition awards, and offering all players a gunship and bomber as standard ships available in your hangar. I will continue to pass on roadmap updates as I have them. We do have an exciting year ahead of us, and I look forward to sharing it with you. Despite the delay, I am impressed by Keith's level of communication and transparency about his progress with the roadmap. He gives us explanations and not excuses. His post is a perfect example of what I look for from the developers. He explained why the roadmap is delayed and took responsibility for it. He provided an updated time frame on when we can expect it. And he surprised us by throwing in a few nuggets of information on features coming in Game Update 5.2.2, along with an estimate on when 5.2.2 will go live. And again, we're looking at mid-June. 
So let's talk about some of the features coming in Game Update 5.2.2. And if you listen to episode 36 of the podcast, then you heard me talk about some of these as they were data mined from the PTS game files. So the nightlife event returns, right? So, you know, say it with me. I love the nightlife. I got a boogie. Uh, okay, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. But I do love the nightlife event. And the event didn't happen last year, so it is overdue. And Keith mentioned new rewards, and rumor has it that one is a Grimorian Guard companion, and another is a new Thuvasaur mount. And in case you're wondering, Thuvasaurs are dewback-like creatures. Now, just like real gambling, the nightlife event is designed to suck your bank account dry, so start saving those credits now as it looks to return in mid-June. Uh, he talked about companion influence and said companion influence, companions, excuse me, will now gain influence from standard crew skill missions. Thank the force. I shared my thoughts on companion influence on episode seven of the podcast. In short, I'm not a fan. In slightly longer, the influence system runs counter to the idea of running with whatever companion you feel like at any given time. So I hope the amount of influence gained from standard crew skill missions is worthwhile. In fact, actually, I hope they gave this task to an intern who screws it up by making a 20-second level 1 mission grant as much influence as a 30-minute level 10 mission. And I hope the amount of influence gained is a lot. And by a lot, to quote Theron Sean, I mean a lot, a lot. Uh, game update 5.2.2 will introduce two new speeder piloting ranks as character perks, we can boost our mount speed to 120 and 130%. For five years, I've lived happily with speeder rank three. At no time did I wish I could go faster. Even today, I'm content with speeder rank three. Once we have speeder rank four and five, I will no longer be content with speeder rank three. And therein lies the problem. Speeder ranks one through three are free. Sure, you can pay credits or coins and get them a few levels earlier. I once paid for speeder rank 3, and then I cried like a baby when 10 minutes later I was at the level to train for it through questing. Speeder ranks 4 and 5 will cost money or coins, and with today's inflation, they will likely cost millions. Will I part with my money? Of course I will, but I won't be happy about it. And by the way, I hope they adjust the refer a friend mount to move at speeder rank 5. One of the great things about that mount, and it's called the Kurtob Alliance, is it goes 100, 110% speed regardless of your piloting skill, which means, you know, if you get rank, speed or rank one at level one, which that, that's the one thing I do recommend paying for, by the way, is that first speed or rank, then you hop on this mount and you're going at 110, you're going at the fastest mount speed on level one, which is really cool. But now with the new speeder ranks, they probably won't adjust it, and that will just diminish the value of this mount by 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 a little bit. All right. So also in game in, in game update 5.2.2, you can purchase tier one gear for command tokens. Now this is a great change, and I talked about this in episode 36 as well. If they decide to introduce a fifth tier of gear, then this paves the way to adjust the rank so that one through one hundred you know, grant tier two, 101 through 200 grant tier three, and 201 to 299 grant tier four, and then rank 300 grants tier five, because there's going to be a tier five, right? I, I absolutely 
believe that before this expansion is over, we will get a fifth tier of gear. And also it should be noted that this isn't just set gear, but it includes relics, implants, earpieces, and weapons. So it's anything that you could get from tier one, you'll be able to get for command tokens. And finally, Galactic Starfighter is getting some love. I'm only just beginning to dabble in GSF. I don't hate it, but I don't love it like I do PvP. And GSF is probably the most ignored thing in SWOTOR right now. So maybe this is a stepping stone to actual gameplay changes. I don't know, but one can dream, one can dream. So that's all we know about 5.2.2, which is coming in mid-June. Uh, I now wanted to step back and talk about something from Game Update 5.2. So earlier this week, I went to the companion terminal on Odessin to get back a couple of companions from Knights of the Fallen Empire slash Eternal Throne. And I noticed I had the option of getting Alara Doran back from the terminal, even though I sided with the Empire in the Iocath storyline. Now, my first reaction was, this has to be a bug. So I sent a tweet to Charles Boyd, and this is what he said. That's intended. The terminal mostly ignores story. So, yeah, getting Alara Dorn and, and Quinn, if you sided with the Republic, is from the companion terminal, is absolutely intended. Now, I'm a big fan of the idea that you can kill a companion and then get them back uh, from the terminal. Uh, in this case, though, I'm not sure you should be able to do this since Alara never really joined the Alliance. She rejected us. Same with Quinn and not the other way around. And it seemed weird getting her back because I never really felt like I had her as a companion to begin with. And as I said, I like the option of getting companions back from the terminal and not being punished for the story choices that we make. But where do you draw the line? I mean, what about Tano Vic? We don't get him back. Should he be an option? And I haven't tried this, but I assume if you reject companions from an alliance alert, which you can do for some, that they're gone for good. I, I don't reject companions, so I don't know about that. But again, I'm just going to assume that, you know, if that's the choice you make for those alliance alerts, that you, you're done. That's permanent. You can't get them back from the terminal. Like I said, I may go on another tune and try that just, just to prove that out. But I'm pretty, I think that's the case. But I'm wondering um, if we're now to the point where maybe we should just be able to get everyone back and, from the terminal. And by that, I mean, you know, Darth Mar, Darth Asena, anyone we had as a companion in a story should be available to us from the terminal, uh, especially when you can trick the system and get a companion like Darth Mar by having chapter one in your log. So if you go to the repeatable chapters and say you choose chapter one, then you can leave the story chapter and have it in your quest log and Darth Mar will be summonable from your, you know, list of companions. So you can go around with him and, you know, get him to influence level 50. I think you can probably send him, I think you can send him on cruise skill missions. You can certainly have him fighting by your side. If you decide to do the eternal championship, a star fortress, or, or just the, the planetary heroics, whatever it is that you're doing with a companion, you can do him. So it's pretty much as if you had him, as a permanent companion. So I don't see why we just can't go to the terminal and just make him a permanent companion since, like I said, you can trick the system for him. Same with with, with someone like Darth Asina, who you get as a companion in Chapter 2 of Knights of the Eternal Throne.
So, so that's all I really want to talk about with that. I mean, in case you weren't aware, you can use the terminal on Odessin to get both Quinn and Dorn as companions. And that said, I probably won't torture Alara by dragging her around the Empire, but I fully intend to make Quinn's life miserable by dragging him around the Republic. My final topic this week is PvP. As you know from listening to the last couple of episodes, I'm really enjoying PvP. In fact, most of my time in-game this week was spent playing PvP. And if you're like me and are new to PvP, I, of course, I recommended taking a baby steps approach towards it. And step one was to make sure you have fun, right? Get to the point where whether you win or lose, you want to keep going back. And step two was then to learn the objectives of each war zone so you could contribute to the battle and be an asset to your team. After all, war zones are a lot more fun when you win. The third thing I want to talk about today is learning your class. And what you need to realize is the skills you learn in PvE may not help you all that much in PvP. And let me repeat that. The skills you learn in PvE may not help you in PvP. Now, the skills you learn in PvP will make you a better player in PvE for sure. And what I mean by this is as a DPS, for example, in PvE, you're used to executing a set rotation. And in an operation, you may need to move out of stuff here and there. You might have to interrupt or even throw the occasional cleanse. But for the most part, you just need to run through your DPS rotation. In PvP, doing damage is important, but it's often secondary to survivability and just stopping the other guy. And every class has ways to interrupt, CC, stun. Additionally, we have ways of breaking our stun, breaking ourselves out of stuns, self-healing, absorbing damage, increasing movement speed, and even increasing the amount of healing that we can get. And all of those capabilities take center stage in PvP. Stunning an enemy for a few seconds or knocking them back might give your team the time it needs to cap a turret or a door or something. So as you get more into PvP, you really need to look at your class's entire toolkit and put it to use. And remember that all the classes are different, and I mostly play PvP on my Merc, not because Mercs are the flavor of the month. I genuinely like my Merc. That just happened to be the one class that I've always enjoyed playing uh, since vanilla, and I continue to make it's my main tune. So that's why I'm PvPing on my Merc. But I also decided to go into a war zone uh, on my Sork one day, and I got in there and I realized I had no clue what the non-DPS abilities were, and I was completely lost. And I knew the DPS rotation inside and out, but the rest of it, eh, not so much. And that that's really all I wanted to say about PvP this week. I mean, I, I'm enjoying it much more than I thought I would. And at first, I just tried to have fun. You know, I didn't really care about winning, didn't care about losing, didn't care about the objectives, just wanted to make sure I could go in there and have fun. Well, now, after a couple of weeks, I'm focusing on what are the objectives of the war zone and what can I do to help meet those objectives? And what tools do I have in my arsenal to accomplish those tasks? And, you know, all of that combined will make you into a better PvP player, make you into a better PvE player, and you'll just hopefully, you know, contribute more to your team's success and start winning more war zones, getting more medals, 
and you know getting more CXP, getting more unassembled components, which is the, the, the main driving force as to why I got into PvP was to help finish off my gear set. So that's everything I have for this week. Uh, let me go ahead and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 37 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show site, which is SoToOurPodcast.com, and there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SOTORPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to at SOTORPodcast. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the podcast. So look for episode 38 on May 23rd, 2017. And remember the Sith Code, Cake is a lot.